Julian Assange had a big hearing in London today. A bunch of his supporters showed up. But he did not. He's currently being held at Belmarsh Prison in London, and a WikiLeaks spokesperson said that while he's been there, his health has deteriorated, and he's lost a dramatic amount of weight. Today, his lawyer said he was too ill to appear in court. This is, like, bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news for Assange. But the worst news came about a week ago, and Andrew Prokop has been covering the story for Vox. Last week, the Justice Department announced a new superseding indictment, 17 new charges against Assange, the founder of WikiLeaks. U.S. officials charged WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange with violating the Espionage Act for obtaining and publishing classified information with former Army intelligence analyst Chelsea Manning. These are in connection to uh, the leaks of military documents and, and State Department cables back in 2010, given to him by then-private Chelsea Manning. Some of the documents leaked exposed abuse by the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan. Including information that documented the names of confidential human sources and that the release of that information put the individuals in exceptionally grave danger. When I think Espionage Act, I think spies. Is is this saying that basically what he did with Chelsea Manning in leaking a bunch of information about the United States government and our national security was in league with what a spy might do? For over a century at this point on the books has been this Espionage Act, which says that the publication of any document, writing, it it lists several types of pieces of information relating to the national defense, which information the possessor has reason to believe could be used to the injury of the United States or to the advantage of any foreign nation, is criminal. Two federal prosecutors argued against using the Espionage Act against Assange. They're reportedly worried about the threat that these charges could pose to the First Amendment. So it's a very broad law that has scared people for a long time. And now it's being used by the Justice Department to say that Assange's publication of the leaked classified and military information that Chelsea Manning gave him is criminal. But this happened in 2010. Has the U.S. government just been weighing that question for, what, two administrations and nine years now? Well, the Obama Justice Department looked very seriously at charging Assange, and they even explored this option of charging him under the Espionage Act. But around 2013, they decided that they wouldn't do it. There's a Washington Post story from the time that quotes a Justice Department official saying that what they had was a New York Times problem, that using the Espionage Act against Assange for the publication of information like this could be invoked in the exact same way against more respectable journalists and really any reporting on classified information or secret national security information that the U.S. government wants to keep hidden. 
Has the Justice Department commented on whether this means that journalism itself is at risk? Well, essentially, they just say, don't worry about it. We don't consider Assange a journalist, and we would not use the law in this way against journalists. And it's kind of like a a trust us argument. What is the distinction between Julian Assange, WikiLeaks, journalism, the New York Times, Vox, Mother Jones, Bob's blog in Topeka? Like, where do you draw the line? So in response to these concerns, uh, John Demers, the head of the Justice Department's National Security Division, said, some say that Assange is a journalist and that he should be immune from prosecution for these actions. The department takes seriously the role of journalists in our democracy, and we thank you for it. It has not and never has been the department's policy to target them for reporting. But he went on to say that Assange is no journalist. And he also said that he was not a responsible actor that was purposefully publishing the names of individuals that could be confidential human sources, exposing people to danger and so on. So, I mean, their argument is essentially that Assange was irresponsible and dangerous and a bad guy and that they don't consider him a journalist. But the response from free speech activists and journalists themselves is that what he's doing, essentially obtaining secret information that the government wants to keep secret and making it public, is what they're doing too. The one difference maybe being that the New York Times or Vox or even Bob's blog in Topeka might be a little more careful to not publish names of active sources or government agents in a foreign country? That would be a difference, but it's not clear if there's a legal difference. There's nothing in the, you know, in this law in particular that would make that distinction. Uh, Charlie Savage from the New York Times wrote in his story that the Times obtained the same archives of documents from Manning that uh, WikiLeaks did back in 2010. And he writes, while the Times did take steps to withhold the names of informants in the subset of the files it published, it is not clear how that is legally different from publishing other classified information. Um, That's been viewed as kind of a voluntary step that journalistic organizations have taken um, in response to governmental concerns. But it's, it's not clear that it's a legal distinction. What is the distinction that they're making between Chelsea Manning, who leaked the information, and Julian Assange, who shared it? Well, the government has long taken a more aggressive stance against the leakers themselves than the people who publish what the leakers give them. Manning was, of course, prosecuted under the Obama administration, and uh, other governmental leakers were as well. And Obama's Justice Department got harsh criticism for that. Uh, It was called his war on leaks. But they never went so far as filing charges against the the people who published the classified or secret information rather than the people who leaked it. So the heat just got turned up significantly on Assange and it was already cranked, right? Where does this leave him? After spending several years holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy in London, Assange was finally arrested and taken into British custody in April. The U.S. is trying to extradite Assange to get him brought into the United States so they can prosecute him here. And as part of that effort, they 
filed an initial charge against Assange in April, and now they have filed this broader set of charges, apparently in an attempt to settle exactly what he's going to be charged with before any potential extradition. Now, the extradition is not necessarily a sure thing, though. There's also an investigation into a rape allegation against Assange in Sweden. So there's the possibility he could be extradited there. There's the possibility that the UK government could turn down the U.S. request to extradite Assange if they feel that his prosecution is too political. So basically, it's not clear, but he's currently in a prison in London. It wasn't that long ago that Julian Assange was basically a folk hero. How he went from there to here, next. It's the middle of the show, and if you don't mind, I'd like to use the opportunity to tell you about another show. This one is called Factually with Adam Conover. It's a podcast. You might know Adam as a stand-up comedian. He is also the host of a TV show called Adam Ruins Everything. My TV people tell me it's on True TV. Check it out. But also the podcast, Factually, is a show where Adam talks to Pulitzer Prize-winning authors, professors, other smart people to find out the true facts behind big issues like homelessness or or all the stuff big tech is going through right now or gun control. Like, for instance, did you know that no one in America thought the right to bear arms really had anything to do with self-defense for a very long time? That's more of like a recent development. There's stuff like that in the show. It's again called Factually with Adam Conover from Adam Ruins Everything on True TV. But this one's a podcast. It's in the podcast apps now and you can subscribe now so you never miss an episode. Andrew, where does Julian come from? Well, Australia. Assange was born in Australia in 1971. By the time he was a teenager, he got into computer hacking. He called himself Mendax. Uh, According to a New Yorker profile of him, uh, it meant nobly untruthful. I was a journalist. You know, I was a very young journalist activist in the early age. I wrote a magazine uh, and was prosecuted for it in my, when I was a teenager. Assange founded WikiLeaks in 2006, and his stated goal was to publish information the powerful were trying to keep secret. And over the next couple of years, he really had his greatest successes in obtaining and publishing United States military, national security, and foreign policy documents. And... A big part of that is that Assange himself was a harsh critic of what he deemed the U.S.'s imperialist ambitions. The predominant form that the U.S. empire has is an empire of U.S. bases, uh, now more than 1,400 U.S. military bases in over 120 countries dotted around the world, uh, and an empire of trade. And it uses these mechanisms of its embassies, of its military bases, Uh, of its presence uh, in organizations like the UN and IMF uh, in order to secure advantageous deals and structures uh, for the largest American companies. So when exactly does the world come to know of WikiLeaks? One of their first big scoops was in 2010. They published a video of a U.S. airstrike in Iraq that 
killed civilians. From a distance, you hear the voices on the tape watch as the wounded try to crawl to help. But when help arrives... Come on, let us shoot. You're engaged. one Clear. Come on. Clear. They also published a lot of military documents about the Iraq and Afghanistan wars and all sorts of State Department cables in which diplomats were giving very candid assessments of foreign governments. French President Nicolas Sarkozy is called thin-skinned and the naked emperor. The German chancellor is described as Angela Teflon Merkel. And Afghan President Hamid Karzai is weak and driven by paranoia. These are essentially U.S. government secrets that the United States was trying to keep hidden, some of it related to the deaths of civilians in wars abroad and and terrible things that happened there. And these leaks were really unprecedented to an extent, and they gained enormous attention and, and made him a kind of celebrity. I remember watching those videos. A lot of people were looking at Julian Assange as the sort of activist folk hero who was exposing the truth about these engagements that were deeply unpopular in the U.S. and abroad. How does he sort of fall from that perch? So, yeah, Assange was a kind of folk hero. There was even a movie in 2013 called The Fifth Estate. He was played by Benedict Cumberbatch. What about the lives of the soldiers and the civilians involved in these conflicts? Death squads, unreported civilian casualties, countless incidents of friendly fire. This is information the world needs to know. And things started to somewhat turn for him in 2012. He faced a rape allegation, which posed a risk that he would be extradited to Sweden. In June 2012, he showed up at the Ecuadorian embassy in London and asked for political asylum. And the imminent danger at the time was the Swedish extradition. But he said that what he was really worried about was political persecution from the United States government for the leaks that they so despised. And at the time, it was um, President Rafael Correa was the leader of Ecuador, and the leftist government of the country was pretty sympathetic to Assange's anti-United States imperialism activism. So they granted his request, and he took up residence in the Ecuadorian assembly in London. And he, like, sets up his own personal WeWork there for, what, seven years? Yeah, he was holed up there in the end for nearly seven years, from June 2012 to, in the end, April 2019. But he wasn't just sitting around. He was continuing to run WikiLeaks and posting more leaked material and including most infamously, perhaps, during the 2016 campaign, posting hacked emails that had been obtained by Russian hackers and that he had gotten a hold of, both from the Democratic National Committee. In one email, a top DNC staffer wonders about Sanders. Does he believe in a god? He has skated on saying he has a Jewish heritage. I think I read he is an atheist. This could make several points difference. And from Hillary Clinton's campaign chair, John Podesta. Her inability to just do a national interview and communicate genuine feelings of remorse and regret is now, I fear, becoming a character problem, more so than honesty. 
this became a central event of interest in the Mueller investigation. But in the end, Assange was not charged for anything related to those leaks. How does the sexual assault allegation coupled with the leaks of information that ultimately harms the Democratic Party, the DNC, and Hillary Clinton, and ultimately affects the 2016 presidential election, change the way Assange is perceived by the public here or abroad? A lot of people turned against him, of course, who had previously been sympathetic to him. Like, it wasn't clear whether Assange was trying to bring transparency by publishing the powerful people's communications or or whether he was instead just trying to help out the Russians and hurt Hillary Clinton, who um, he had long really disliked. He called her a bright, well-connected, sadistic sociopath. And weirdly enough, Republicans who had previously criticized him for leaking all this stuff started to support him. He called into Sean Hannity's show and, and was rapturously received there, for instance. It's absolutely incredible for Clinton to lie. She is lying. But it's, it's a bit disturbing that James Coney uh, goes along uh, with that game. Wow. Julian Assange, uh, fascinating. I do hope you get free one day. I wish you the best. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Sean. Trump read out WikiLeaks on the campaign trail. He said, WikiLeaks, I love WikiLeaks. And, uh, you know, then Trump was elected and it turned out that Assange didn't get the better treatment that he was hoping for. What exactly happened there? Do we have any idea how Trump went from WikiLeaks, I love WikiLeaks, to having his Justice Department file all these charges that he violated the Espionage Act? Well, it doesn't really seem like Trump initiated any of this. I think what happened is that WikiLeaks got a hold of another series of leaks, and they posted a new set of material about the CIA's hacking capabilities. And this is called the Vault 7 leak, and it appeared to be the largest leak of CIA documents in history, according to the New York Times. WikiLeaks says the documents show the CIA's team of hackers have developed malware to be able to hack into almost any device people use and can remotely control iPhones, iPads, Android devices, taking video from their cameras, listening with their microphones. And this may have really been the thing that reactivated the Justice Department's efforts to go after Assange. How exactly does his relationship with the Ecuadorian embassy shift? Because ultimately, they give him up, right? Yeah, so basically Assange overstayed his welcome on one hand, and then on the other hand, Ecuador got a new president who was less sympathetic toward him and announced, we've ended the asylum of this spoiled brat. From now on, we'll be more careful in giving asylum to people who are really worth it and not miserable hackers whose only goal is to destabilize governments. Wow, what happened? There were all sorts of stories leaking out over the years um, that Assange has vigorously disputed, more or less Assange's hygiene. Uh, The Associated Press writes, The stench from going weeks without a shower and a dental problem born of poor hygiene was a constant nuisance, according to the official who spoke on the condition of anonymity. Then there was the issue of Assange's poop, which authorities said he spread across embassy walls on at least one occasion in an act of open defiance, showing how little he thought of his hosts. Yikes. Yeah. So, again, where where, uh, Assange has tried to dispute some of these allegations, but... um, 
you know, according to these Ecuadorian officials, he was um, he was not the greatest house guest. Julian Assange, now with a beard, carried out of the Ecuadorian embassy by London's Metropolitan Police. What happened in the end is that the Ecuadorian government said they were done with him and agreed to turn him over to the UK government. And now there's this battle over where he's going to be extradited. His case will be argued in court. There will be First Amendment challenges probably against these charges. And um, traditionally, when the First Amendment is at risk in the United States in free speech cases, it's often not the most sympathetic or beloved people in the world that are trying to exercise those free speech rights. I think a really interesting question now is whether sentiment in the United States among, say, those Democrats who are so angry at what Assange did in the 2016 election uh, can now kind of see past that and realize that criminalizing the publication of secret United States information is something that could have some very bad effects down the road. Um, this is not necessarily something that progressives or liberals should be happy to see happening. Andrew Prokop is a senior political correspondent at Vox.com. I'm Sean Ramos for him. This is Today Explained. 